jump back on a call later. All right, that, that sounds good. And uh, do you want us to, to call you Pomp or Anthony? What do you prefer? I couldn't lose that nickname if I tried. I know I, you're I, good. I, I, I like no Pomp. But <laughs> I personally have no preference. But, okay. But, uh, up to you guys. Perfect. All right. And uh, we also have a YouTuber on the uh, the line, Brad Kimes. Brad, say hi to Anthony. Or we'll call him Bob. Hi. Say hi, Bob. Hey, Bob. It's great hey to talk to you this morning. All right. So, uh, Pop, what we're going to do is we're going to uh, play some fancy music in the background. I'm going to do an opening intro. Welcome you onto the show. And uh, then we're going we're gonna to start it up. Does that make sense? Sounds good. All right. Sounds good. Welcome to Life's Tough. Crypto is tougher. Our featured guest today is Anthony Pompliano, an American entrepreneur, investor, and U.S. Army veteran. Anthony is co-founder and partner in Morgan Creek Digital Assets, an investment firm focused on providing access to blockchain technology and digital assets for institutional clients and wealthy family offices. Welcome to the show, Anthony. Thanks so much for having me. All right, Pop. So today is the big day, is it not? We've got uh, back back launched. Is that correct? Uh, I went live last night. That's correct. And uh, what, what do we expect to see? What do you think? Um, I, I don't think that we're going to see much uh, change. I think that it's going to be uh, kind of the, the normal uh, business. Um, I, I, you know, it's going to take a while for people to kind of get onboarded and start actually transacting for me it's not so much what happens today as much as it is what happens six to 12 months from now on the platform and how much liquidity is there yeah i mean it's i I think the challenge is that everybody wants it to happen overnight yet the space is taking much longer or i would say from the retail side on the institutional side did you think this was going to take as long as it's taking um Yes and no, right? I think that there was definitely an understanding that there was going to be a number of uh, very difficult uh, obstacles in front of us. Um, It was going to take a while to accomplish um, kind of the institutional uh, penetration. At the same time, um, you know, there's days where uh, things happen that I would have never, uh, never imagined or, or thought, you know, if you look at something um, like, you know, when we got the public pensions to invest, uh, that happened a lot faster than I thought it would. And how uh, did or, you do that? I mean, th- that group, while they might take some risk, I mean, you convinced them to get into the market that, you know, at least in the past, we called it like the cartel and the mob and the drug scene. Like, how did you convince them to invest? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, there's a qualitative and a quantitative argument for uh, for Bitcoin specifically and then um, for a kind of blockchain technology industry uh, even broadly. Um, you know, when it comes to Bitcoin, uh, we use a quantitative argument, right? If you put a non-correlated asymmetric asset into your portfolio, um, there's a lot of positive benefits that occur. Uh, you're able to actually uh, de-risk uh, the portfolio in ways uh, because um the value drivers of something like Bitcoin are very different than, let's say, your stocks or bonds. Um, and, and so obviously that quantitative argument or portfolio construction argument um, is helpful. And then we look at the broader industry. Um, I think there's really kind of two main points. One is there's a lot of intellectual capital rushing in. So you see some of the best entrepreneurs um, you know, kind of coming in. And then two is there's an amazing amount of uh, financial capital um, that's being poured into the space. And so whenever you get a uh, collision between that intellectual capital and financial capital, usually um, there's pretty significant innovation. And, and with that innovation comes outsized returns. 
And uh, you recently had put on Twitter, trillion dollar market cap. You really think that Bitcoin can get to a trillion dollar market cap? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, that, that's only 5x from where we are today. Um, I, I don't think that uh, that's far off at all. Uh, and and you, what do you think it's going to take to get us there? Is this pure regulation? Do you think that the, like, there has to be a big moment in the world for like, I don't want to say in the debt, the debt side? Like, what is it going to take to get there? Yeah, I think just time, right? Um, you know, one of the things that uh, that I think that we've um, come to realize is sometimes the best uh, opportunities are the simplest. And if you look at Bitcoin, Bitcoin has a number of properties uh, that uh, various groups find attractive, whether it's the non-seizability, the non-censorship, um, the monetary supply of sound money. Um, all those things lead to increases in uh, demand. And when you have a fixed supply asset and demand increases, supply, demand, economics take over, um, get increases in uh, price. Uh, great response. Uh, Brad, uh, you got a question for Anthony? I, I do. Good morning, Anthony. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, as this market moves forward, I know that Bitcoin has had a couple ETFs submitted, and recently we just saw the VanEck ETF that got pulled. Um, what, what's, your, what's your evaluation of why we can't get a Bitcoin ETF so far? Bob, did you hear the question? I, I did not. Oh, I, I, I can't I, hear him at all. All right. That, that's uh, apologies. So, uh, Brad Kimes, I, I'm, we're trying to figure out what's going on on our audio side. Brad wanted to know why you think the ETF was not, uh, it, it, it's not going through. What, what is the challenge and, and why isn't it just a, a simple, all right, let's approve this thing and move on? Yeah, I, I think that um, there, there's two pieces here. One is that uh, you've got to look at the, um, you know, kind of the decision makers, right? The regulators who are uh, who are in power right now, uh, they're incredibly conservative, um, and they've got every right to be. Uh, I don't; they're being unreasonable. Um, that conservatism uh, has them focused on protecting um, the market participants, and so um, when they take a much more conservative view uh, than maybe others would like them to, um, yeah, they have concerns that uh, that need to be addressed before they're going to approve it. Um, under a different regulatory regime that may change. But um, I think right now um, the SEC is being uh, incredibly reasonable and they've been pretty clear about what they want to see addressed. And so they'll continue. The second thing is, um, you know, I want to make sure I call out that the ETF, while uh, important, I don't think that it is uh, as big of a moment as many people think it is, right? Um, you know, there are definitely a number of challenges with uh, purchasing Bitcoin uh, specifically today. Um, and so it can be more difficult than buying other assets. There can be some friction, et cetera, but it's not impossible. And so um, there's some portion of the demand that has found a way to get exposure, whether it's through directly purchasing uh, on an exchange or something like Square's uh, Cash App, um, or even through like a GBTC type uh, product. Um, and, and so when the ETF gets approved, I expect there to be demand. I expect there to be um, you know, some impact in the market. But I don't know if it's necessarily kind of a um, ETF gets approved. And next thing you know, Bitcoin quadruples in value type situation. Yeah. And in terms of companies that we should be watching in the market right now, in addition to Circle, who who's on your list? Yeah. So the, around um, – Bitcoin specifically, I think there's a number of companies that are doing some really great things. Uh, everything from Samurai Wallet to 
um, a number of the exchanges. You know, Kraken doesn't get really talked about as much, uh, nearly as much as uh, as I think they should. Um, and then a uh, company like BlockFi, uh, which is building out lending and, and yeah, cool um, interest company. accounts and things like that. Um, and then you've got CoinMine um, and, and some of these that we we're investors in, some of them that we're not. Um, but but the other company that I uh, I continue to reiterate to people, I think uh, one is a great company and it's growing very quickly, but two shows kind of the future of a lot of this is uh, figure technologies. Um, so they essentially have digitized mortgages. Um, and they've been able to uh, elicit the support and participation of a lot of major Wall Street firms. Um, and, and what it does, is it goes back to this thesis that we've had from early on that every stock, bond, currency and commodity uh, will be digitized in the future. Um, and, and so when that happens, um, I think that uh, you'll, you'll see a lot of kind of value creation and capture by the people who are building infrastructure in that space. And on Twitter, you, you, by the way, you have, you have quite a way of getting people to get excited. Uh, you, you throw out those blanket uh, little tweets. Do you expect the reaction you're, you're getting? And, and I, I assume it makes you chuckle at times. Yeah, so d- definitely uh, I'm having fun. Uh, no, no doubt about that. I'll, <laughs> yeah. uh, as long as I'm having fun, I'll uh, yeah. kind of keep it up. But, I'm like, uh, there's Palm. Look at him go at him again. Yeah, and, and look, p- part of it is, um, you know, uh, I use Twitter in a multitude of ways. One of them just being uh, it allows me to test my ideas um, and really kind of see um, you know how people react to certain things and, and kind of measure sentiment and things like that. So it's super valuable for that. Uh, the second thing is um, I think that we don't talk enough about uh, kind of the marketing uh, and the message of Bitcoin. Right? It's really important that we uh, we share that message and, and we kind of get it out there. Um, and, and so uh, you know I like to think that I'm doing my part there and hopefully we'll. Uh, kind of inspire some other people or give them confidence to do the same yeah and i know that you cleared it up a few times and we'll also help you clear it up a few more times uh investing in bitcoin is that something that you personally do uh, or do you stick to the retail uh, side and uh, support the companies that use things like bitcoin no so so i i've uh, i've publicly stated it before that um you know obviously from a uh, professional standpoint we have two investment pieces one is uh that people will trust algorithms to store their wealth uh, over other humans so bitcoin is a uh, kind of um a culmination of that um and then uh, every stock bond currency and commodity will be digitized uh so that's how we deploy capital professionally uh personally um you know like i said i have publicly stated that over 50 percent of my net worth is in uh in bitcoin um, and again, uh, it's not because I look at it as a speculative trading asset, um, but I see that there's two alternative financial systems, right? They're, they're kind of um, opposites of each other. One is an inflationary, um, kind of heavily leveraged system. Uh, the other is a deflationary uh, digital system uh, with very little leverage. And so I choose to um, you know, store more than 50% uh, in that alternative system. Um, as a uh, as a hedge, if you will, against yeah. legacy system, sure. um, but also as a uh, a way to um, get exposure to what I think is um, an attractive monetary policy. Now, in terms of Bitcoin, is is there a reason why you focus all your efforts just on that? I mean, we had Roger Ver on, and he said uh, he was talking about the top twenty that he's in. Um, do you support other projects as well, or is Bitcoin really the thing that again when we talk about how we say when it comes to um, you know, same thing with religion that everyone believes theirs is the only one in um, <laughs> that the case like you go online all the maximalists like they believe every single token on the planet like now nah, i'm telling you this is the only one that's gonna make it um yeah i mean you, so, you can't spend your time all day looking up two thousand different tokens right 
so I'm definitely not a maximalist in the sense that Bitcoin is the only thing that will accrue value. Um, I think that there will be plenty of things that, that uh, accrue value. I just tend to think that um, a large majority of things are uh, not going to retain the value um, that, are, that are out there on the market today. Um, it's kind of like the, uh, the early Internet. If you go back to the late 90s, um, a lot of the ideas that ended up being highly successful companies were tried in the late 90s. So you had you know food delivery, music streaming. Um, all of these things, but uh, those companies failed. And then 10 years later, the applications were built on top of uh, the internet. And so I think, um, you know, we just got to be really careful about uh, timing, yep. right? It's, it's kind of the saying of uh, if you're early, you're wrong in many cases, uh, not always, but, but, but in many cases. And so uh, right now I'm, I'm kind of cautiously optimistic about, uh, you know, a number of things outside of Bitcoin, but uh, Bitcoin is um, my main focus. And, and the reason really is, be, again, going back to uh, the monetary policy and that alternative financial system is built with Bitcoin as the unit of account. You're right? seeing so that you Bitcoin of, is being used behind the scenes and everything's being tied to it. Yeah, it's just, you know, I look at there's two financial systems, right? There's the legacy system that is inflationary and heavily leveraged and, uh, with fractional reserve banking. And then there's the um, kind of the Bitcoin system or the sound money system. Um, and so I choose to, um, you know, store my wealth, right? Again, if it was a speculative asset, that would be one thing. But I, I really do think that there is um, this mind, uh, mindset shift of, um, of folks that if they want to participate in that second uh, financial system, then they're going to need to uh, own that base unit of account, which uh, in my opinion, and I think Benny's opinion is Bitcoin. Yeah. And in terms of the, the other providers in the market, one of the other question we had, and I said, all right, I'll, I'll ask him and he can duck and dodge it if he wants. Um, XRP, what do you think about uh, XRP? And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, no, that's, that's the hard one of the day. Um, yeah. What do you think about XRP? Yeah. So look, I, you know, fr frankly, um, I'm very uh, confounded, I think, by, uh, by, by XRP, mainly in the sense that um, I, I think the software company behind it, Ripple, is obviously uh, what their ambitions are makes a lot of sense. Right. They would like to help uh, banks transfer money more easily. That, that seems to um, be a very rational uh, perspective and, and something that um, if you've ever used a bank, uh, you know, can be painful. Um, I think where the questions come in, uh, and, and I you know, probably lack understanding, is um, how XRP uh, is um, needed in that process, right? And so I, I always say that, um, you know, if people could mentally separate Ripple, the software company, from XRP, the token, um, I think that there would be a lot less um, kind of backlash against Ripple, the software company. Um, I think a lot of the backlash and, and the controversies around that uh, that token, some of it's around how it was sold, some of it's around um, how it's used today. Um, and so, you know, look, crypto and, uh, and the Bitcoin industry is, um, is really unique in that there's some uh, some tribalism that goes on. There is uh, quite a bit of tribalism. Yeah, and, I, and I, I frankly think that uh, a lot of people are just bored on the internet and they're looking for something to be outraged about or, or something to support. And so you get the, these... Um, you know, these kind of uh, very um, uh, enthusiastic groups, both for pro and con, and, you know, it kind of plays out and let the market decide. Yeah, no, the great response. Uh, back to ETFs. Do you think ETFs can help to calm volatility, being that we already have futures and, and getting price discovery off BTC, BTC itself? Yeah, um, I don't think that it hurts necessarily. 
Um, but but again, I don't know if it uh, if it's this huge moment uh, that everyone is waiting for. Um, so I'm kind of of the belief that uh, you know we, we should have an ETF. Uh, I think that it could be very important. Um, but but I don't think that we should uh, pin our hopes and dreams on uh, on an ETF being uh, kind of our savior, if you will. Yeah, and permissionless ledgers. Um, what do you think about it? Um, permission, permissionless ledgers. Yeah, yeah, like where coins are maybe are, are where coins are placed on uh, for regulatory purposes and defined, and bringing consistency and settlement time. Yeah, I mean, look again. You're going to get. Uh, the, the, here's the thing about the market, right? And we can kind of go through each individual thing that people are doing. But but the one thing that uh, I do think is really important is. Um, we should encourage as much innovation as possible in experimentation, right? And, and the reason why that's important is because there should be no sacred cows. That's right. right? If, if yeah. you kind of um, if you encourage innovation and experimentation, I think we'll be surprised by what's possible, by what people can actually build and create. Um, and, and so I'm very much in the camp of we, we should uh, encourage all of this. Um, but but along with that, uh, I also think that um, I tweeted the other day that uh, at the edges of innovation, there's a lot of failed experiments. Right. So, so we're trying to build new things. Um, and so we shouldn't be uh, surprised when things fail. But, but failure isn't necessarily uh, a, a horrible thing. Um, it's just part of the process. And you went from the military to crypto. I mean, how did you go from one extreme to the other? I mean, that, that, that's quite quite a jump in, uh, in, in just in general. I mean, going from one set of standards to now to an industry that doesn't have regulation that has not been yeah i mean it, it is different yeah I, I tend to think that it's uh it's very very similar uh frankly it's uh it's one of these things that um you know that there's people who have uh have ambitions uh, they, they see a world that uh they think can be improved um and uh and they work hard they're disciplined uh they're, they're smart um and uh, so I think there's a lot more similarities than, uh, than, than people uh, realize on the surface. Yeah, no, well said. And when we had Roger Ver on the other night, I asked him, I said, Roger, I tell people all the time that cryptocurrency, uh, also Bitcoin, is single-handedly one of the greatest opportunities in your lifetime to build generational wealth. He said, I 100% agree. What do you think, Tom? Well, one, I definitely agree. But two, I think even bigger and more important than that is um, – you know, Bitcoin specifically has the chance to uh, reset uh, what I think is one of the, the biggest atrocities um, of uh, of kind of our time, uh, which is the structural um, the, the structure of the financial system, which causes massive inequality. Right? You know, the the inflationary system um, that is uh, something that has driven a wealth inequality gap because of the ability to print money uh, seemingly unending. Yeah, didn't they just um, print money this past uh, week where they're giving it away? Yeah, so, so you know, look, it, it's uh, you're talking specifically about the repo market, I think, and um, it, it's probably uh, not as bad as people um, would like to think. Um, you know, I've seen numbers that people are throwing out where uh, they, they're throwing, you know, they're, they're uh, speculating that they're injecting hundreds of billions of dollars, and if you accumulate that, um, you can get some pretty big numbers. But actually, what's happening is uh, between fifty and seventy-five billion dollars um, a uh, day is essentially being used as a revolving credit line. Um, you know, the, to me, it's, it's less about the, uh, the, the ability to uh, count up the numbers as it is uh, in many cases. Some of these banks are paying, um, you know, double digit percentage interest uh, on overnight money. 
Wow. Right. So 10 percent. And so what that tells me is that there's something going on. And in fact, I don't understand it well enough to have a, a kind of fully formulated opinion. Um, but, but something's going on when you're willing to pay that type of interest rate on overnight money. Um, so uh, I, I tend to think that there's probably a, a much bigger uh, scenario or, or a problem there than, uh, than yeah, we realize. Yeah, it sounds bigger. And do you think Bitcoin can prevent the next crisis? Um, I don't know so much if, if Bitcoin's going to prevent. Uh, a crisis as much as it is uh, it's kind of the plan b right i think the meme uh, that, that's been going around on twitter actually is uh, it's pretty clever in that uh you know previously I, no one had an escape hatch no one had an eject button right and so uh when there is a crisis where do you go um that's been one of the major problems i think historically um and, and so uh you know really now what we get is we get a uh, a competition of financial systems uh and inside that competition of financial systems people have choice and so, uh, you know, for, from my perspective, at least, um, free market competitiveness is, is good. And if there is a crisis in the legacy system, uh, we're going to see, you know, do people choose to uh, ride it out and kind of uh, put their faith and trust in um, you know, central banks to cut rates, print money, and, and kind of deal with uh, with the issues and try to recover? Or do they choose to uh, kind of get up and, and uh, it's almost like being on the playground, right? Yeah. And uh, you pick up the ball and go play at home, <laughs> yeah, right? And exactly. Kind of see, see what people choose to do. And what do you think it's going to take to calm the volatility of Bitcoin? Look, I, I don't really think that um, the volatility is an issue, right? I, I think actually what what ends up happening is you're talking about a, an asset that has gone from, um, you know, nobody using it to tens of millions of people using it, and it's looking for price discovery. And so it's actually been uh, pretty predictable, right? If you look at, um, you know, uh, there's folks on uh, Twitter. Uh, I think one of the accounts is at 100 trillion USD. You look at Trace Meyer. Um, a number of these people, these stock-to-flow ratios and things, uh, they've been able to predict with pretty good accuracy. Um, and, and so when it comes to the quote-unquote volatility, what you see is um, there's not a lot of electronic trading that goes on. There hasn't been a lot of uh, futures or ability to short historically. And so you get pretty clean um, technical analysis uh, because it's driven by human emotion, right? So when right. Uh, price goes up, you get a bunch of people who run in. Uh, they're kind of chasing returns. Uh, they're looking at it as a speculative asset. You know, you kind of get over uh, the price gets over um, what's likely to be some sort of value measurement, and then you get these deep uh, bear markets, right? But, but those bear markets bottom out at a higher low than previous uh, lows, and so you continue to get kind of this net gain up and to the right, uh, which I think is uh, attractive um, and exactly what I would expect from an asset that, uh, that that's kind of growing for the long term. Yeah, and when you saw. Uh uh, the president get on TV and talk about Bitcoin and some of the others, uh, obviously going to Bitcom, Maxine. Like, did that make you go, wow, I, I saw this before they did? Like, you remember, you were the early adopter. They're all coming in now. Listen, I, I, I uh, you know, I'm always very careful to tell people uh, I, by no means, was uh, was really to Bitcoin, right? I think that there are uh, there's a handful of people who uh, who deserve all the credit for um, seeing Bitcoin early, believing in it, understanding it, um, and, and frankly having the courage and conviction to uh, put real dollars at risk um, and elect to uh, to use it. Um, and, and so those are the people who uh, who should get all of the kind of um, you know, uh, benefit and glory of, uh, of being early and, and the risk that they took. Uh, I, I merely uh, came in uh, much later and frankly think that, uh, you know, my, my small contribution to this space is, uh, is uh, pales in comparison to many of those early people who, uh, who, who were much earlier. Yeah. And Bitcoin, do you see it remaining or staying a uh, 
as a store of value, or do you see it being used in other in other use cases? I think uh, you know you can't have uh, other use cases uh, around money unless you can act as a store of value first. Um, and so uh, you know I think it's acting exactly as I would expect it to act if, uh, if it's on kind of this uh, this war path to um, to become a, uh, a, a global reserve currency. Yeah, and uh, one of the final questions I have for you is, who do you look up to, Pomp? I mean, there, there's a lot of people in the space, like me, get to talk to a number of the, the big influencers. Like, who do you look up to? Who do you say, man, Dustin, this, this person, gosh, they're just, they're brilliant, or wow. What do you think? Uh, I would say uh, my partners uh, and uh, my family. That's pretty your, much it. Your, your partners and your family. It's fantastic. All right, well, I, I told you this would, wouldn't be a burden. It had to be simple. Uh, Pop, any final words you have? Uh, we're in 74 countries, and probably not as many as you are on a weekly basis. But any other final words you have for the retail uh, investors out there or the people looking to get into the space? And there's a lot of FUD. I got to tell you, I, I got a lot of respect for you. I know a lot of people take shots at you online. Uh, somebody, by the way, I, I put something online the other day of one of our videos, and uh, someone said, what a punchable face. I mean, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> it was one of the first times I looked at my wife and went, you got to be kidding me. Like, <laughs> what, yeah, what, uh, what is this? You still keep going. You don't quit. You don't give up. And that's the part that I respect about you is you, you tell people what you believe and what you think and you're passionate about it. And uh, yeah. So final words for us. If, uh, if people saying I have a punchable face is the worst they can say, then I'm having a pretty good day. They, they weren't but, saying uh, that about you. They were saying about me. So if they say that about oh. you too, I'm like, we're in the same boat, man. <laughs> I, <laughs> I thought it. I was I the it. only one getting shots taken. I'm like, really? Punchable face. Who are you? XYZ30598. <laughs> At least I, I don't I don't hide. Like, you know, his name is Anthony Pompliano. You know, my name is Dustin Plain. Like, we don't we don't hide. Yeah, look, the, uh, the the internet loves a uh, good uh, um, shit talking session. They so, sure do. Uh, and by the way, I m- and I missed your uh, your shirts that you had online the other day. Man, those look fantastic. <laughs> Long Bitcoin short the bank. Oh, I love it. I'm, I'm waiting to bring one. Of, I got to find one of those. I bring it to the gym and say, "That's my buddy Pop right there." All right, guys. You guys have a great day. Hey, thanks again, Pop. Appreciate it, brother. Right, bye. bye. What an awesome fantastic. guy. What a fantastic, fantastic. guy. Really is, man. I got to tell you, um, everything, you know what I mean, that he laid out, you can just hear how genuine he is and what he really does feel about the space and Bitcoin itself. I mean, he's got me pumped up. Yeah, no, he, he absolutely crushed it. He's genuine. He's honest. And uh, you can see the guy's got integrity. He really does. A lot of integrity. And I just want to appreciate his service, by the way, as well. So I want to drop that in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're still on. So tell me, what do you think uh, going forward? What's going on? Well, you know, I, I think it's interesting because, um, you know, he did point out the store of value and being able to maintain. Uh, and he talks about, actually, he, he talked about you got to have that store of value before you can re-enter the space as, let's say, an everyday transacting currency is what he pointed to today. Uh, I would tend to agree with that. Um, now, you know, I would say, you know, uh, not to be combative, but uh, the volatility it, for me is an issue for it to become an everyday transacting value, which originally was the original goal of, of BTC to begin with. Right. So um, I see uh, long term something has to happen there. And I, and I believe that's why we spoke and asked questions about the ETFs. I think 
the ETFs are a great counterproduct to the futures contracts that are already out. You know, futures being able to short and calm the market that way, ETFs being able to grow the market with long money. Um, I think over time, these two products together can absolutely begin to not only fill the pool, but calm the sloshiness of the pool, right? Yeah, no, I, I think you said it, uh, said it best to, to end us out. You know, we've got a market that needs additional clarity. But we also yeah. have a space that can create generational wealth. Uh, people like Pomp, people like yourself, people like Roger Ver, and uh, the Jesse Lunds of the world. People that are out there telling a story before others are ready to hear it. Taking the risk, putting their money where their mouth is. I mean, on Twitter, many people talk about, does he really invest? I mean, he just said, I took half. I have half of my net worth in Bitcoin itself. And it is easy to become a tribalist or a maximalist in the space. But when we're looking at cryptocurrency, find the one you're passionate about or, or the few you might be passionate about and learn as much as you can about it and uh, challenge your belief system, challenge your, challenge your views. Don't you agree, Brad? I completely agree. And, you know, that's why we even asked about, you know, some point regulations maybe taking us to a permissionless ledger or something of that nature. Because as this market grows from a nascent emerging market, we have to we have to try to look ahead and see, you know, there's a lot of inconsistency, not just, you know, as we look at one coin like a Bitcoin or some other coin, for instance. You know, the whole market has fragmentation and inconsistency at this point, and it needs to come together. I think regulation and clarity obviously can give us the opportunity for the market to find that consistency, whether it be a situation of some, like Roger Bird mentioned the other day, some Orwellian notion that, you know, uh, regulation brings us to a place where, a lot of coins have to be placed on the permission, permissionless ledger to where everything can be tracked, but then it provides a consistency to the market. And I think things like this, or at least entertaining notions of this nature, can, can take us to a place where there's no more conversation about BTC having a long settlement time if pre-mined Bitcoin is on a permissionless ledger that settles in four seconds. Yeah. All right. Well said. Brad, thanks for joining us today on Life's Top Crypto's Tougher. Thank you, man. Have a great day, guys. Hey, you as well. All right, everybody. We want to thank you again for joining us for this edition of Life's Tough, Crypto is Tougher. I'm Dustin Plannell, your host, here from the Alston Carlisle Studio in Baltimore, Maryland. Thanks again for joining us.